Okay, welcome everybody to the first ever virtual episode of Before the Crowd. Um, so obviously, as most people in the UK and around the world are feeling right now, we're all in lockdown and unable to leave our homes. So normally what I do with this is uh, myself and whoever is the guest for the show this week will sit in the room with me. and We talk about whatever music or entertainment topics it is. This is the first ever virtual interview via Skype with my good friend, Alad Roberts. So welcome to the show, Alad. Hello. Good to have you here. Um, just to get kicked off um, for this first ever episode, and let's see how it goes, kind of audio quality wise. Okay, sure. Um, do, you, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, what you've done, how you've been involved in music and music education? Oh, wow. So, should we start from the very sort of beginning, where it all started? Yeah, go for I it. I mean, um, ironically, I, I am currently sat where it all started ish. So, I think at age seven, started learning guitar, having guitar lessons, kind of hated it. Didn't want to carry on um, until I started learning songs I learned, like I kind of knew myself. And then did music at GCSE. That was fun. Then I went to college, met Guy. That was also very fun. <laughs> um, we kind of, I, I'd say learned a lot, but that would be definitely in inverted commas. We, um, we were exposed to a lot of equipment and we messed around with it until we figured out how it worked. And then it was university. Doing music technology still. Again, that was really fun. Again, just being exposed to all the different types of uh, music technology we could do and we could use. And then I did my uh, PGCE in music. And then that was the only time I was kind of a little bit out of my depth because up until that point, it all been technology-based. And then when I went to do my PGCE, it was all like, ah, you need to know some theory. And I went, yeah, I definitely need to brush up on my music theory. <laughs> Luckily, did bits anyway outside of uh, of university, so it wasn't too much of a struggle. And now we're here, teaching kids online is what I'm doing, because of the coronavirus has uh, kind of taken over. Yeah, um, I think that was also like a very modest sort of breakdown of what you've done as well. I think obviously to, you know, I'm maybe not going to mention some projects that I know aren't together anymore, but you know, you've played in a fair few bands that have had some success. Oh God, I've worked my way up, haven't I? I mean, the first ever band I was in, I was, uh, I was playing bass, and we decided that the vocalist in that band wasn't very good. Um, we didn't have anyone else to sort of replace him, so I said, oh I'll, oh, I'll do that. And it was one of those bands where it wasn't kind of like singing, it was just kind of like, ah, ah, fish, kill the chickens, I hate my mother. Wah, 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 wah. And uh, yeah, we did that for about, well, that must have been two years, and that must have been the band that had the most lineup changes ever ever wow i think we had at least at least four different bass players including myself at one point and yeah but it was just fun that was the very first band and then went on to more and more bands in the most recent one was probably the most successful we we played shows with like bands like the darkness black peaks mm -hmm. played some festivals did a few weekender tours that was good fun that kind of opened my eyes up to more of the music industry from that side obviously going to gigs everyone does it and then doing sort of more high caliber ones yourself, you get to see the slide, don't you? Yeah, it's. I mean, because we, the band I was playing in a couple of years ago, we supported you guys on tour, right? You were. Oh, oh yeah, was, was that the was it Fiddler's Elbow in London we played? 
No, it was the no. um, the cabin or something. Oh, yeah, it was one of the really strange stage. It was like kind of red with some maroon curtains. <laughs> like I'm sure you've got a jacket in that exactly the same color. <laughs> yeah. just you like, know the one. <laughs> uh, do. No, it was a really weird gig. I just remember like all the people on the street stage just looked at us like we were so weird and no one like approached or wanted to talk. It was really yeah. odd. And then there's another band there, I can't remember what they were called, but they were all the way from Malvern. And like at that point in our lives, you were living all the way in London. I was living all the way in Stoke-on-Trent, but we were from Worcester, Malvern area. And we met up and played this show. And then out of nowhere, the first band that was on were a band from Malvern. It was like, ah, small world. Yeah, it was really, what were they called? Like the White Feathers or Three? Something Feathers, yeah. (laughs) Something Feathery. Something Feathery. (laughs) They were quite good, though. But you're you're like a multi instrumentalist because like you said you played bass in bands you you screamed or everything I think I've played guitar in bands I've played bass in bands I've played drums in bands I've done singing in bands I've written a whole album for a band well EP even my last one well, this band I've ever been in I wrote the whole EP and I kind of I don't know I probably took over a bit more than I should have done a bit of a control freak of that one <laughs> I'd written all the guitar parts recorded all the bass parts, did all the vocals and recorded everything in my own little bedroom on some terrible old MacBook. You know, the old white ones? Yeah. Probably worth like £20 now. I recorded <laughs> everything on one of those. Wow. What, what's your favourite role to have in a band when you're playing? I don't know. Each one's definitely got their perks. I mean, I've played drums before in a band, one show playing drums and that was fun. She's like, ah, hit things hard. <laughs> And then, I don't know, I'm probably going to say, mm, I think probably guitar is the most fun one to play. That's but just, you are qualified in drums as well. <laughs> yeah, it was funny, my last band, because I've actually done, um, I think it's grade four drums, my certificate. I, I, it was just because I was at high school doing graded stuff. Um, and I was, my last band, the drummer I had was, was fantastic. Mm. But um, it was always a joke that I was, on paper, a much better drummer than him because he never done any grades. So I had certificates which told people that I was a better drummer than him, and he didn't like me saying that, but I loved it. Hang on a sec. You're grade four drummer. Yeah. Did that in high school. Are you lying to me because now we're recording? You've always told me it's grade ones, grade one drums. When did you get your extra three grades? <laughs> did you no, I, I thought it was for a long, long time. Um, <laughs> and then when I was... Because um, I've moved house like a thousand times. Um <laughs> I went through this one box of, I wouldn't say memories, it's just stuff from when I was younger. Um, and I found all my GCSEs um, because my high school was a rubbish one that got taken over by an academy. And so they made us do GCSEs like front and center. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Oh, here's my drum one. And it's from rock school. And I was like, oh, this is must be my grade one. Oh, no, wait, it says four. <laughs> I've got to tell the drummer in my band now. <laughs> nice. Just frame it and put it on the wall. that's it that's it must do um i guess that kind of like brings us back like obviously talking about education and and well tell us about your plans in education and what you were going to be doing this year before this pandemic struck (laughs) well ironically i like telling people because yeah we were like oh we decided that you know in in the uk uh musical education in my opinion at least at the institutes i've been at isn't it is a subject um Obviously, your maths and list GCSEs are very important. You've got to do them, especially if you don't do them. You have to redo them when you get to college and anything like that. But music was always pretty bottom of the barrel in terms of importance. And uh, so I went, you know what? I'm not getting paid a lot of money to be doing a full-time teaching job. 
the stress of it is unreal, unreal. Each school that I'd been at had an off dead whilst I was there. I was really bad at timing. And then we decided, you know what, we're going to scrap this. We're going to go teach abroad. We're going to go um, use teaching as a way of, of funding a traveling lifestyle. So instead of trying to build grounds and setting up shop in the UK, we thought, you know what, I'm just going to get rid of everything I've ever owned and have two suitcases and I'm going to go move to China and I'm going to go teach in China. And then we've got everything ready. We're like, yeah, we've sold everything. We've got rid of our dog, our house, a car, everything we'd ever owned. And then suddenly it was like, oh, it's just about to go. And then, uh, no, we can't go. <laughs> Everything's cancelled. No one's allowed to be within two meters of each other. And China's put a travel ban on all foreigners. Great. Wow. It's, yeah, because, I mean, I came to yours and, and your partner, your fiance, Lisa's like you're leaving leaving the country do oh yeah we're a party to say yeah we're finally going everyone's like oh you sure you want to go there's this <laughs> virus killing people and we're like ah oh, we're fine we're wallard um well, we joked about it we were like this is so ridiculous <laughs> I know. virus but it's, it's just the flu it's nothing more and then and now now look at us we're having to do this over over skype well absolutely and it's just crazy but mm. i in the nicest possible way it, it couldn't have happened to anyone else but you only i know would be other side of a world i don't know if it was you or one of the teachers at my last school but someone said i don't think china wants you they've invented this virus that kills people just so you can't go <laughs> they decided actually no we don't want to tell him but we don't want to hurt his feelings so we invented this big massive story where you can't go now to do that that's <laughs> <laughs> i hope it's not the case i still very much want to go abroad it's just a, a bit of a waiting game now well obviously like you're talking about you know educating him uh, educating people in music lessons abroad yeah. what made you want to choose china of all the places you could teach music um well we, it was a hard decision to begin with when you kind of decided you want to go work abroad you look at all the different places you can go to mm. and then it's a matter of okay where would we like to go abroad compared to where can we go obviously like when we wanted to go to first was we wanted to go to uh, america but mm. education over there again isn't um isn't hard to explain um they don't need teachers there's more um teachers than there are teaching jobs as opposed okay. to in the uk plus it's hard to find a job um in my sort of stage of my career i'd had a year worth of experience pa after passing my um my pgce year and mm -hmm. they're not going to employ me and pay for my visa and get me a, a citizenship just on that experience. They want someone who's sort of had lots of experience with getting kids through their GCSEs, which is totally understandable. Um, yeah. So that wasn't an option as much as we really wanted to go live in Florida and meet Mickey Mouse every day. Um, <laughs> so we went and looked at places where we can go. And so I think we narrowed it down to some really various places. We went to Cairo because we had um, friends who worked there doing the same thing. Okay. We looked at Dubai for a little bit. We looked at uh, Thailand, Vietnam, Taiwan, Hong Kong, and China. And I think what it sort of came down to the end was China was just um, one of the better paid jobs. Okay. And um, I think there was just more to do. The, at the time as well, we were planning on taking our dog over with us. Um, which meant we needed to go somewhere that wasn't extremely hot. So that ruled out Dubai. And also in Dubai, we couldn't um, live in the same apartment unless we were married. 
like that was a rule that you we kind of went you're engaged like you guys are engaged you yeah we've been engaged with me together six nearly seven years but we couldn't live in the same apartment complex apartment sorry if um we weren't married wow. so we went okay we can't go there <laughs> the, <laughs> the agency i was speaking to at the time said oh a lot of our schools they've got people who are there and they've got their partners with them and they kind of just turned a blind eye to it but it's kind of like yeah you don't want to be in some foreign country breaking a law no. all, all the time <laughs> just a matter of not if you'll get caught it's going to be a matter of when you get caught and i didn't quite fancy that no why risk it yeah it wasn't worth it uh, even though it was good money um we looked at cairo we got friends there um and we applied for quite a few jobs there um i think even had an interview for one of the jobs there but nothing ever sort of came to fruition so we just we left that one but then china there was just so many jobs so so many jobs yeah. um i remember putting up a facebook status on a group um where people sort of tout for jobs in china mm-hmm. and I basically just put here's my credentials here's what i can play here's what i'm looking for and i must have had at least 20 people met oh i've got a job here oh i've got a job here and all this p- bits and pieces were happening so so fast so we're kind of like oh this seems like the best place to go yeah until okay. obviously this situation happened <laughs> <laughs> no but it's interesting though and one thing I was thinking about just before we we started Skyping was obviously like we're used to growing up with a very kind of westernized music and we learn a lot of predominantly pop and rock and maybe a bit of classical and stuff. But over yeah. there, it's a very different sort of music. I mean, would you be educating them on Western music or? or- yeah, I mean, the way it would work is um, we were looking at international schools, so it'd be kind of doing the same sort of job I'd be doing at home, but over in a different country. You'd be teaching children. Um, might have English as a second language, but their parents are paying for them to go to an international school. So it might be, um, for example, if you're the, the boss of a big company and you've got a lot of export from China, so you might go live in China for a little while. Uh, but we've got a friend who did that. Remember James Smith? Yeah. yeah. He, um, he would constantly talk about how he lived in China for, um, I think it was like three or four years when he was quite young. Um, and that's all just to do a business. So you'd be going to teach those parents children. Okay. Um, but China, yeah, China is starting to get a bit more westernized in terms of music. Um, it really all started back in the Yuan Dynasty because I did my homework on this. Okay. Um, when Mongolia invaded China, you know, when they had the big Great Wall of China built and all that sort of jazz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when Mongolia invaded, they brought with them westernized sort of music, like how it was written down, uh, how you'd read it from left to right rather than the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, and brought through sort of time signatures and so instead of having music which was just orally learned they brought over how you could write it down so people could learn it so that kind of universal style of notation that... yeah yeah i can't imagine it'd be exactly as we have it today but i imagine it'd be something similar that's pretty cool that's interesting i wonder if kind of like some of the markings of you know like the was it the latin or the italian um if that's obviously like in uh like mandarin symbols or i, I don't know no idea. <laughs> <laughs> we did have a look into learning some Chinese before you went, and uh, we uh, kind of came to the decision that we'll learn how to speak it first, and then maybe we'll tackle the characters later because that was just confusing. Yeah, it's pretty tough. It, it's not like the easiest Duolingo course to sort of. Involve. Yeah, I didn't want to get into it unless I had someone actually teaching it to me. I didn't want to pick up any bad habits by using like something like Duolingo because then once you've sort of learned your way. And if you've done something wrong, it's really hard to unlearn it. But speaking it 
I can have a conversation with one of the workers who are in China now, mm. uh, the school working out. I can just say, oh, am I saying this right? But um, yeah, definitely. I didn't want to tempt the characters. So one, um, like a lot of schools and colleges and universities in the UK now, we've, we've all moved to this online teaching format. Yeah. Was that not going to be an option for you to sort of teach from the UK online to China or? Um, I don't know really. I mean, at the minute I'm doing that because obviously everyone needs to make money still and kids are all still learning from home. But I think in China, I mean, doing a music technology sort of background and your music, I think it's quite hard sometimes to be fixing technique. I don't know if you about drumming, but if someone's holding a stick right, wrong mm-hmm. sorry you're going to want to show them in person and move their hand to the right place yeah. and certain things that you can't really do over video um what will lag as well you can't get someone to play in time with you if you're doing a skype call because obviously there's that lag of me saying something and then you're actually hearing it in your ears yeah definitely yeah it's all really good points but you're you're currently teaching um kids in the uk right now because of school but you're currently yeah yeah left lessons are still going on what i've done is um which was kind of a brainwave we um oh, sorry. You these left- there for a sec what did you say it was we had a bit of a brainwave when we were talking about how musical education can carry on so we had sort of two options which you've taken both into account is kids at home if they haven't got an instrument they can't practice mm-hmm so they need to be doing theory-based stuff, um, which is can obviously get a bit boring after a while. And the kids that are have got an instrument at home, they can be rehearsing, getting better at becoming a musician. And so, what I what I was in charge of because we have two teachers where I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in charge of the theory-based stuff for the key stage three, the younger children. And so what I've done is I've taken that I've made already, and got all my resources and sort of uploaded them to the internet. But I've actually through my lesson my PowerPoint mm-hmm. was myself. So the video would be the, the PowerPoint that you'd normally see in lesson. Then in the bottom right corner, you'd have like a little face cam of me going through it. Um, so they'd learn all the theory. Um, and then at the end of it, there'll be a link in the description. And then they would be sent to a quiz where they'd hear snippets of audio. They'd watch videos of people playing an instrument and they'd, they'd have to answer questions. Some of the multiple choice, some of them where they have to type in the right answer. And it marks itself. So instead of me having to sit there marking so many books one after the other, yeah, these questions all mark themselves. So as soon as they've hit submit on their theory sort of questions, they get um, their marks straight away. They know what they've done wrong. Um, and hopefully then the next lesson, because it would just be a follow-up from the lesson before, when they have another mini test, they'll be able to rectify the mistakes they made the previous lesson. So That sounds really good. What, what platform were you using for that? Um, so the video is just hosted on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I've got, uh, I made two sets. I've got one which just for the school I'm working at, and I made some which weren't private. And I've sent them to lots of different schools um, just in case they haven't got music provision. Um, for example, the school I, I last worked at, their music teacher that was replacing me doesn't start until after Easter. So as I'm thinking, oh, maybe the head of department would have to plan the lessons then. And I never thought the head of department in my last school was a PE teacher who didn't know much about music. No, so okay. I, didn't want, I didn't want people to struggle to provide something when I've already got something which works straight off the bat. They haven't got to do anything. So I made um, a public one and I sent them off to different people um, so they could learn as well. And it just marks itself. I don't do anything about it. Um, but the private one that I've kept for my school currently, we can see who's done what. So it will say what the name is of the pupil that have, than the test 
what answers they got right and what answers they got wrong. But the best thing is, is that it tells you how long they were on the, the questions for. And obviously, if you're watching the videos, listen to all the audio, you're going to be on these questions for at least 10 minutes. Okay. Um, but you can see, for example, some of the kids, uh, they've been on the question sheet for about 30 seconds. So they've just gone tick, 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 put a bit of random information in the, on the typing box, submit. Oh, look, I've done, look, I got three out of 10, but I've still done it. Yeah, right. I'm missing the point, but then you can pull them up on that. Yeah, that. yeah. Hence why we did it. So that's all Google Classroom. Um, and it was really set up. I've used it before. Um, but you literally just have multiple choice questions, all that sort of jazz. And it's just so much easier because it marks itself. I was, <laughs> I was getting into it just before this happened, using it for homework, because you don't want to be sat there marking books and lesson. And then have to then be marking homework on top. It's it's marking things that you don't really need to be marking because you can set these tasks and they mark themselves. Mm -hmm. So if someone wants to say, oh, what's you know Joe Bloggs got on his homework, you just go, oh, have a look on my portal. It just shows you every child that's done the homework and exactly what they got out of 10. That's amazing. That's really cool. It's such a great learning resource. And to help those people when like you said, if you haven't got an instrument at home, but you still need to provide music education for people. Yeah. Uh, but the ones that um, do have instruments, we've we've sent them, um, we've sent them music to learn, music to to get better at. We've also had a go at. Um, we made some backing tracks for each sort of instrument, so we had the same five songs, mm -hmm. ordered them, and then let's say for example, I don't know, this guy called Stephen, he's playing guitar, so we'd send him the backing track to the song he was learning, and we just remove the guitar from it, so he can have a go at home playing in time with the full band. Um, just with his own instrument and the ones that didn't have instruments at home but still wanted to practice we um we phoned up parents and we made a form saying oh would you like to borrow one of the ones from school um as long as it comes back to us in the same condition yeah. um, we're happy for this to happen so we um we had like i think we had like 30 30 students that have hired instruments which is kind of it makes you feel good that they want to carry on playing Definitely. even though they really don't need to yeah, and also like the ones who are sometimes like really quiet or shy in class and maybe aren't engaging that much, but outside of it, they're like, no, I do really want to take this on and, and continue to learn. Yeah. Um, this is good. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel like you've made an impact then because they're uh, they're taking interest in outside of lessons. So just kind of touching on that, you, you say, you know, it's having an impact and you get that sense of fulfillment. Was that what kind of initially drew you towards teaching oh well i wanted to do this as a job ever since i was in high school um my music teacher when i started doing gcse's because we had a new one at that point she was absolutely fantastic i mean i had lessons outside of school so it was always something i wanted to do something mm. i was passionate about it wasn't until i had that specific teacher where it sort of meant oh i really enjoy this and i really wouldn't mind doing this as a job um and even when i left high school and I was doing music technology at college, I'd come back to see that teacher and I'd be teaching her technology things because she was useless at tech. She couldn't do anything when it came <laughs> to recording music. So I'd come back and I'd be teaching her. So I actually had a flavor for teaching whilst I was at college. I was teaching my old teacher. That made sense. Okay. Um, but one of the things I found really, really um, not hurtful, it's hard to explain, disappointing is probably the best phrase, is... When I was um, going to university and I applied for my PGCE, they sort of say, oh, why did you want, why did you want to be a teacher? And one of the things I talked about was um, how inspirational my music teacher was at high school. Mm. And then I found her many years later, 
um, and she she's currently working at a school in Switzerland. And I found her email and I was like, oh, hey, I don't suppose you remember me, but I'm now a music teacher myself. I've, I'm, I've just finished my PGCE on my NQT year. And it's all because of how inspirational you were. And you were really, really credit to how I've sort of come out now. I thought I'd let you know. And she went, oh, that's great. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a blow. A I know, I know, I know. I was that like, was oh. I mean like even if you don't remember the person like at least just put oh it's great that i had this impact on you yeah. you doing you know just oh i know God. i can imagine if one of your drum students like became an amazingly talented drummer who has been endorsed by you know every drum brand there is under the sun they go to all these like nam shows or whatever shows and they're the ones that show off the gear and they get back in touch with you saying oh guy on at this stage of my life now playing drums it's all because of you know your teaching your teachings may be inspired to do it you just go oh, yeah. <laughs> you can't even imagine doing that as an educator no i know First thing ever i mean Wow. Okay. I love your honesty. I love that. That's a great story. Wrong email address. I sent it to some other randomer with the same name and they just hadn't got a clue what was going on. <laughs> I'm going to believe that from now on. Like, yeah, sure. Okay. It wasn't even the same person. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it, it's funny how that still propelled you forward in teaching because if, if nothing else, that's the last piece of valuable information you've taken from that teacher is that yeah. you will never become that person. 30 years into your career you never want to be it's always something to draw on I guess yeah but she was always very opposite she was um very classically trained she was um, singer violin player and all things which are (laughs) definitely my weaknesses I'm very much a a tech head um if I can incorporate technology into my lessons then I always do it the way I feel about it is um uh, technology is sort of the way future in terms of music obviously if you want to be an amazing musician and you want to be like in an orchestra, there's, there's good opportunities in it. There's good money in it. But the way I've always seen it is if you want to make a career out of doing a musical, it's usually going to be something technology based. Mm-hmm. Well, not always, but I feel like there is more music jobs, which involve around the science of music or the technology of music than there is of the classical side. Then yeah, if you agree. Definitely. I, no, I think the classical so is certainly definitely a niche for that still. But yeah, you know, I think you still. I do agree with you. You've got to have some sort of understanding of technology or science, whether it's you know just I'm trying to think of something basic of you know like just how the how a guitar amp would work or how you could use a sample pad live or a backing track. Because even the reality of it, like I know a few guys who were doing you know some some cool gigs and stuff, but it's all backing track it's all a click track yeah and someone's got to set up and know what they're doing but if you want to do education and want to be an educator in music it's getting more and more towards technology i mean the kids have to record their own compositions Mm. they have to make a composition and you know if i can't imagine sitting down and trying to write out a piece of music on manuscript paper anymore i I just I, I, i it would take far too long um compared to doing it on something like i don't know um sibelius or garage band and there's so many more opportunities from that because if you do just write it down on you know on a piece of manuscript paper with a pen that's all you've got but if you yeah. do it in 
So Bailey's, you can transfer the MIDI notes to to Logic yeah. and make it to a song, or you know, the other way around. And it's something to transpose for other instruments and send to someone else if they want to learn it. it. It's just, it's crazy how much technology can make being a musician easier. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like when, I don't know if I've told you this, when I was doing like the crew stuff, we were we were reading charts every single night. Um, but the thing was, it wasn't like we had a 200 page book um, that you can't see on stage because of, you know, weird lighting. You had an iPad on a stand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I very quickly learned to change my settings so the screen doesn't go blank after 10 seconds. Cause that's <laughs> you're like, oh my God, no. Trying to put your password in because the thumbprint doesn't work in the middle of a song. <laughs> just trying to wing it like, oh, oh, oh where are we now? Uh, just a boom, ka, boom, boom, ka. <laughs> <laughs> One-handed while she's just trying to tap the iPad screen. Man, when in doubt, play disco. <laughs> <laughs> that should be a life rule for everything. Yeah. but yeah again like technology was there and if you had a, a chart you wanted or someone made up a lead sheet in the band yeah like, they didn't have to write it out four times it was just like cool i've added it to dropbox download it put it on your ipad we're playing it tonight and like okay done easy and as even i say something as basic as that as opposed to being able to rig up a full recording studio or whatever it is like it is definitely the future yeah, which kind of leads me into the one question, which I really wanted to ask you was that obviously now talking about music technology and, and online learning and everything that's happening in the world, do you think there's ever going to be a sense, a, a way where we go back to what it was before? What is in being more classical, a bit more hands on? Uh, more kind of pre corona when it was. Oh, I see. Face to face, like classroom teaching. Do you think we're ever going to go back to that? Um, yeah, it's got to really. Life will still carry on after this has all been said and done. I mean, we're quite um, hot on what's happening in China with the coronavirus. We were hot on it since sort of out, our outbreak happened. And um, obviously, we've got jobs waiting for us when everything does sort of calm down. And they're, they're keeping up to date with us as to what's happening, government guidelines. Um, we've seen that some schools have, have reopened. Not everywhere is the same, but some provinces have opened schools now and they're getting back to usual. Obviously, there's still things in place. People still have to wear masks and have temperature checks and all that sort of jazz. Mm. But what a massive step between not being allowed to leave your house and they were much stricter on lockdown than we are now. They had a time slot once every three days, I believe, to go to the shop. Wow. That was it. You were allowed to go to the shop and that was it. None of this going out once a day for your exercise. No, 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 no. That's, <laughs> I mean, uh, granted, everyone needs to have some sort of exercise and it's good for your health. And it's also good for your mental health. Yeah. But they weren't allowing you to do that. Imagine having a dog in that situation where you couldn't take them outside for, for any sort of exercise. You have to do everything from home. Um, one of the teachers that we work, were going to be working with said um, they were finally allowed outside again. And it was the first time he was going to be taking his son out in 43 days oh and how old was his son like, like a little kid three four years old <laughs> oh, you yeah. imagine imagine being at home for 43 consecutive days with a child and not being allowed to take him outside wow but in terms of getting back to usual yeah it, it's gonna happen i mean it's been quite sad this time because obviously exams have been cancelled and um, i mean for some students that's a that's a you know that's the best thing you'd ever hear if you yeah. remember watching there's one of the Harry Potter films where something bad happened and they said, and all the exams have been cancelled. They were like, yeah, 
which in a fantasy world, you know, where Voldemort is a bad guy, um, that sounds great, you know, not having any exams. But in in a world where, you know, you've got kids that want to revise and exceed their predicted target grades, Mm. that's a massive kick in the the teeth, isn't it? Because I'm not sure how they've decided it, how they get their marks now. I think it's a combination of what evidence the teacher has on them and what they got for their mocks. But I mean, I don't know if you're the same boat as me. When I had my mock exams at, at um, school, mm-hmm. I didn't care about them. They weren't the real exam, were they? Exactly. So I'm not going to sit there and stress and revise to think it's only going to tell me what I got and not actually be the real thing. Yeah, exactly. But when the real thing came, you were... Yeah. You won in the real thing, but not in the fake thing. That was like, what? what? <laughs> like... Yeah, exactly. So that's quite sad. Um, but I, I think when it rolls around to September... Mm-hmm. we should be back to usual maybe with some sort of precautions put in place but obviously at the minute everyone's being way more sensitive in terms of being clean and you know this is this is an absolute tragedy and this is a, a horrible thing to have happened but if you look at the positives i think when people come out of this people will be a lot more conscious of of what they're doing with their hands and what they touch and how often they clean their hands yeah, I think as a nation we'll be a bit healthier and a bit more clean after this is all said and done. Definitely, it's it's interesting as well. Like you were just about to touch on the point of kind of people's mental well-being, and I think as well, like we are to kind of go back to the the Hogwarts thing. A lot of kids now have got that Hermione Granger mindset. When yeah. like, well, no, like in that scene, everyone's yeah, exams are cancelled, but Hermione is like, like oh, throwing yeah. the books on the table. And it's kids have got that now because you know from the age of let's say they start high school at 11 so it's like from 11 to 16 this is the one thing you have to achieve yeah and when they're saying you can't do that anymore it's it's almost a letdown in a sense of Mm. i don't know would you say maybe a sense of maybe not so much failure in their eyes but they never got given that opportunity Opportunity to yeah they never got the opportunity to do better than what was expected of them Mm. because i don't know about you when you did your gcc's some of my target grades were c's and b's but i got better than that because yep. of putting the hard work. And if this happened to me and you, we would have been lumped with, you know, what our predicted was, maybe a mixture of our predicted and our mock exams results, which might have been what we would have got if we'd actually had the time to revise. Because let's be honest, most students, when they got an exam, will revise two weeks before the exam. Yeah. Or like me, most of the time it's just the day before the exam. The, the day before, isn't it? Yeah. Or if it's anything like my university days, it was about an hour before the exam. <laughs> at least that hour was really consistent and just really like hammering that knowledge. But no, it's true. And and you're absolutely right. And I think that's one thing maybe I'd like to think it's been thought about in education, maybe not just musically, but across the board. And I was the same. I remember, I think it was like French or whatever it was. I was going to pretty much fail. And then I got an A or whatever it was. And I was like, oh, thank God. Um, I mean, as yeah. if it meant anything, looking back. But at the time... Oh, you're still there. Do this. Uh, did I cut out? I can hear you now. Yeah. As a teenager, you're told, like, you've got to do your GCSEs. You've got to get your education mm. for the next... Um, yeah. I, I was going to say to you, actually, obviously talking about this expectancy and, and things changing, what do you think is um, going to happen to the music industry in the future? Do you think that's going to be different to what we knew it as? Well, because of the coronavirus situation now? 
Well, yeah, I mean, like, because if venues right now can't afford to pay their staff because they've closed, they can't pay yeah. their rent. Um, yeah, I mean, I know, I know, I know venues, venues, I know venues where, where I used to be in Stoke-on-Trent, you know, that I get by having cover bands come in and, and regular ticket sales, and that's just, you know, in the hope to break even, maybe make a bit of profit. But in this situation, you can see a lot of people completely sort of losing business completely and even shutting down yeah. which there isn't many venues left anyway and if this i can yes what you mean that might might happen to some places and they'll have even less venues and so yeah that's gonna suck isn't it <laughs> not being able to gig in so many places because they've shut down because of this situation well the thing i'm looking at right now and i don't know what you think about it but we're really and i think you're a brilliant example of this of how you're um really pushing the boundaries of music education through online platforms and online learning but then once we take these kids and and whoever out into the these students into the music industry it's not there anymore mm-hmm. yeah well landscape is changing that's why i think it's important that the students do do music technology because you, there's so much to do that isn't um, education-based. I mean, I use my girlfriend, for example. I remember, I think it's Frere Jacques. She remembers how to play from high school. Mm-hmm. Just simple melody line on keyboard. But imagine it, out of her three years of doing Key Stage 3, that's what she can remember out of three years. Mm-hmm. Now, imagine if those three years they did music technology as well, and then they would come away with it, and at the end of it, they'll remember how to record something. Something simple like that. They know how to set up a project on, it could be something simple as Audacity, mm-hmm. or it could be something really, really serious like Logic. And if they can come away with that and they can remember how to do that, they might not be the best musician in the world. They might not want to be a musician, but they might get into a role, a job where that is part of the things they have to do. Imagine if someone becomes a radio presenter. Yeah. They need that experience. They need that know-how. So... I think technology in the classroom is is absolutely pivotal because there's just so much you can do with it and it doesn't have to be playing an instrument. I mean, in my last school, I had a whole wall display of jobs in the music industry which didn't require you to play an instrument. And if you do the BTEC instead of the GCSE, you don't even have to play an instrument then. You can you can compose something, but there's no way you have to actually play an instrument. You can just be, you can literally be a composer. So like I doubt Hans Zimmer yeah. can play every instrument in his orchestra. It's <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so uh, when, when you're that young, you don't know about these sort of opportunities in, in life unless someone's told you about them. You don't know mm-hmm. that there is such thing as a, an acoustician for motorways until someone tells you that that job exists. And that's something you might be really good at. You might be really good at the science of music. And that's what you're going to do. You go work as an acoustician for a motorway um, so that the the housing that's by the motorway don't get loads of um, noise pollution. Mm. And you're doing something for society and something that, you know, is going to ultimately help a lot of people. Yeah. And you won't know how to play for a jacker anymore, but at least you'll have a career which has stemmed from you learning something musical at high school. Now, that's a really good idea. And I mean, like I know people that you probably do as well who work in the industry and like you give them a guitar or, or any kind of instrument and they're like, no. <laughs> we've got no idea but, yeah. they know, but they know how to market a band or you know they're a lawyer for a band and work on the legal mm. i mean like that's why we have a musicians union because those guys are actual legal experts who can advise yeah. musicians um yeah so i, th- I think music in, in the classroom is definitely it's definitely involving more to be more technology based i mean don't get me wrong you still need to know how to play something and it's in the music curriculum you've got to 
be able to play and use your voice and all that jazz. But I think technology has such a, a bigger foot in what you should be doing, such a, a such a good standing place to help children more than than being able to play Pharaoh Jacques on piano. Yeah, definitely. No, I think that's a really good example. Um, I guess as we, we start to wind down a little bit now, um, sort of last question to you would be, you know, if you were going give, to give advice to young musicians who are trying to get out there and, and either work as educators or work in the music industry, what would it be? Oh, wow. I think if you want to work in the music industry, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's making your presence known to as many people as you can. Your friends should know exactly that you want to be whoever you want to be in the music industry, because the best thing you can have in this sort of world is contacts. It's got mm. to be, isn't it? If you yeah. know someone who knows someone who knows someone who can get you that that um, session musician job at that studio, then that first contact you have who knows someone who knows someone, if they didn't know that you were a drummer, then that opportunity is gone. If you wanted to get into the radio industry, then you need to make yourself known to the radio industry that you can do these jobs and be prepared to do stuff for free to begin with and then know your worth once you're there and you've got the experience. Go for the uh, go for the juggler with some of these places. Make yourself um, indisposable to them. They can't carry on unless you're still there. Nice. I think it's a really good note to end on, actually. Thank you. It's really great advice to put out to people. Um, Alo, thank you so much for kind of being a little virtual test guinea pig on this. As well. <laughs> and we'll, we'll see how the audio turns out. <laughs> we, we could do this for, for what's it been, 44 minutes, and it could have turned out absolutely atrocious. <laughs> and, you know, for, for me doing a music technology course and to have bad audio come out at the end of this will probably, you know, might finish me off. It's fine, yeah. I mean, like, I'm just going to put your name next to it and... <laughs> It's going to be okay. It's great. All right. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate your time. It's all right. Take care.